Hello, my name is Scott Bradley, and this is Scott Squad Podcast. Today, I'm joined by former Kilmarnock, Rangers, Brighton, Man City, and SFA Chief Executive Gordon Smith. We discuss Gordon winning the treble in his first season at Rangers, playing under Jock Wallace and Billy McNeil, his famous miss in the FA Cup final against Manchester United, his time as Chief Executive of the SFA, and what was it like being Director of Football at Rangers when Craig White was the owner. All this and so much more. Enjoy the show. So, Gordon, can you tell me your earliest memory as a football fan? Yeah, well, I used to, uh, my family used to take me to Kilmarnock games when I was a kid because uh, we obviously lived down in Ayrshire. My grandpa used to play for Kilmarnock. Uh, he actually, he, my grandpa won two Scottish Cups playing for Kilmarnock. So, unfortunately, I never got to meet him. He was dead before I was born, sort of thing. So, I never got a chance, but he was always kind of an inspiration to me. So, I used to go to games. And uh, one of my earliest memories was about eight years old, I um, I saw... It was a Rangers Kilmarnock game at Robbie Park, and I saw a player that I wanted to copy, and it was Jim Baxter. And uh, it was quite, it was, it was really a, a great moment for me in a way because what happened was that I thought that's the kind of player I want to be because he was slim and I was thin at the time, and I, and I liked the way he played. But the, the amazing thing about it was that because he was left-footed, that was a big uh, factor for me as a young boy. I started using my left foot more because I wanted to to play like Jim Baxter. So it turned out very fortunate for me because. I ended up becoming a two-footed player because I'd been so early in my career using my left foot. So that that was my one of my earliest memories was to go to that game. And then later on, my dad uh, took me to... I, I went to the semi-final. Kilmarnock played Dundee in the semi-final, uh, the Scottish Cup, and because my dad was a Kilmarnock fan because of my grandpa and all that, and they, and they lost. But I, I persuaded him to take me to the final, let my dad think I wanted to see Dundee again. And it was because they were playing Rangers in the final. And uh, it was one of the great finals, 1964 final. I think I was nine years old at the time, and uh, Rangers won uh, that final 3-2. And then you started your football career at Kilmarnock. Who were some of the people in your life that helped you achieve your dream to become a footballer? Well, I think that uh, my, one, of, one of my uncles used to play a lot when I was a little kid, but I was very, very inspired myself. I think just because my grandpa had been a player, Scott, that I, was, that I decided that, you know, that's what that was my ambition. I was very keen to be a player, and uh, I worked hard at my game because I used to practice a lot um, on my own, just practice my, my skills to try and improve all the time. And when I was 14 years of age, um, Celtic Rangers and Kilmarnock came in for me to uh, to sign schoolboy for them. And my dad said, you're going to Kilmarnock? And I was like, well, because you're a fan. And he went, no, you've got more of a chance there. And if you make it, the big teams will come back for you. That's what he said. And it, was, it turned out to be very good advice because when I started in at Kilmarnock, it was amazing, Scott, because I, I signed as a 14-year-old, and that was I think it was March that year. And in the summer, when the summer holidays came on, I was allowed to go in and train full-time with, with the professionals. So I was doing all the same training as the, as the full-time professionals, where there was players like Tommy McLean, Eddie Morrison, Jim McLean was a player at that time. Guys that had been in the Kilmarnock, um, Frank Beattie and Jack McGrory, for example, who had been in the Kilmarnock League winning team. They were all they were they all still all their full time players, and I was allowed to train with them every school holiday. So my pal uh, David Patterson, who he signed for Rangers at the same time as, as I signed for Kilmarnock, he was going up maybe up to Glasgow once a week to train with the kids one night a week. Whereas I was getting in my school holidays, all the holidays, every break, I was in training with the full times at Kilmarnock. And in 1977, Rangers signed you for £65,000 and you had the perfect first season winning a treble. How would you look back on that season? Well, it was an amazing season because 
I mean, I uh, I was I was quite shocked because I had just I I did a degree in business studies, you see, and I just finished my degree, and I was one week in my first job. Uh, I was a marketing development manager for a company when Willie Fernley, the commandment manager, phoned me on a Monday morning and he said, uh, "Where are you?" And I said, "Well, you should know where I am. You've rung me." And he said, uh, "No, no." He said, uh, "I've got the number from your secretary. You work?" And I said, "Yeah." He goes, "You in Glasgow?" I went, "Yes." He goes, "You far from Ibrox?" I said, "No, not not that far. Why?" He says, "Just soldier Rangers." I'll see you there in an hour's time, and that's how I found out about it. Rangers, the first season, the the season had started on the Saturday, and this was the Monday. Rangers had lost to Aberdeen, and this was the Monday, and I was I, I was away along to see Jock Wallace. And uh, what amazed me was the fact when I shook his hand afterwards and signed the contract, he said, uh, "Welcome to the club, Gordon." That's taken a while, and I said, "What do you mean?" He says, "I've been trying to buy you for the last four years. Did you not know?" I went, "No, I didn't know at all. Commander never told me that Rangers had been in for me, and I, I was shocked." And uh, I said, oh, that's fantastic. So that was it. Signed. First season, as you said, was amazing. Winning the treble. It was a great team to play in. The three new players that season were Bobby Russell, me and David Cooper. Three of us signed at the same time. I was the third one signed. But we were, that was our first season. But the players were playing alongside, Scott. We're all very experienced. Peter McCloy, Sandy Jardin, John Gregg, Colin Jackson, Tom Forsyth, Tommy McLean, Alec McDonald, Derek Johnson, Derek Parlane. That was, that was who I was playing alongside. So although we were new players and, and having to fit into that team, because of the quality of the player that, the players that were in that team, it made it a lot easier. Hey, what was uh, Jock Wallace like to play for? I, he was great, actually. I, I, I still look back now. I was a wee bit you know, worried about it, conscious of it. Everybody was saying he was a big hard man, scary. And he could be at times quite hard on you. But he was a good man manager. He actually knew when to be hard on you and when to be, you know, be right behind you. And give you support, and I, I found him great to play for. He was uh, he was good in terms of how he, how we played the system. We we played was very unusual because you look back now, most people, some teams are playing this way nowadays. But we were actually playing like a four three three or a four five one. Derek Johnson was playing in his own. A lot of people to this day still think, even Rangers fans think I was a striker. I wasn't. I was playing midfield, and I, my my role was to go from midfield and go and support Derek up front through the middle. So we were playing with two wide players in Tommy McLean and David Cooper. And so it was really like a five across the middle, but I was a support player for Derek Johnson. So there's not a lot of teams were playing in those days with only one man up front. Hey, what would you say is your favourite Jock Wallace story that stands out to you? Well, I think that uh, I, I always remember my first old firm game. We played Celtic uh, Ibrox and it was 2-0 at half time for Celtic. And uh, Johannes Edwardson scored both goals. And we came in and he was like, angry voice, sit down. And I thought, oh, here we go. Because my experience in football was always the fact that if you were getting beat at half time, you always got a row. And especially when you're getting beat from Celtic at home in the first league time, or first league match against them. So but it was the most positive team talk I can ever remember. He was like, after telling us to sit down, he says, listen, he says, they're 2 nothing up, but they've scored two lucky goals. You're, you're fitter than them. You're, you're playing better than them. They've not played good football. They've got ahead. We'll we'll make chances in this second half and see if we play the way we're playing now. We'll win this game. That's what, that was a half-time team talk. I was quite shocked by it because I think that's very positive. But sure enough, we went out in the second half and we won three-two. And I was very, very fortunate, you know, to get the first and the third goals that day was great for my, my old firm debut. But I was always amazed, amazed the fact that you know he was very positive about it when you're losing two 0 at Ibrox in, in an old firm game. And uh, in 1980, you left Rangers to join Brighton. What was the reason behind that? 
Well, it was quite funny because I uh, I didn't want to go. Jo John Gregg was now manager, and John Gregg said to me, could you go and speak to Alan Mullery, the Brighton manager? He's a pal of mine. Uh, he's been trying to sign you, but I don't want to sell you. But could you go and speak to him anyway, just as a favour? Because the season was finished, right? And I had just signed a five-year contract. I'd, I was a month into a five-year new five-year contract. So I said, yeah, I'll go down. And uh, the, the, ex, the Rangers coach came with me that time, David Proven, who had played alongside John Gregg, was now a coach, and he came with me. I never thought anything about it. So we went down to see Alan Mullery, and we sat there, and Alan Mullery uh, said, I've been trying to sign you. I was like, yeah. And he goes, he started to make me offers. You know, to cut a long story short, uh, the offers went up and up, and I kept saying no. And then we got to a situation where it was three times my Rangers wages and a big sign on fee. And I said, no, I'm, I'm not signing. They went, okay. Go and have lunch and we'll speak after lunch. So we went for lunch and while we're having lunch, David Proven said to me, um, that's some money, Gordon. And I went, I know. I said, imagine that. Three times my Rangers money. And I said, is that sign on fee? And he goes, you know, I think they're taking it. I went, no, you know, I'm not taking it. He goes, all right, I might as well tell you the deal's done. We've sold you. And I went, that's not what John Gregg said to me. He goes, well, I, I, we thought you would, the money would influence you. And I went, well, hang on. So I went, I went on to telephone. No mobiles in those days. I phoned Ibrooks and Greggy was, he came on the phone and the first thing he said was, have you signed? I went, no, I'm not signing. He goes, are you? I'm not signing. And he goes, yeah, if you don't, I'll make your life hell. You'll never kick a ball in the first team again. You won't even, maybe get a game in the reserves. I'll have you in training all the time. And I said, I can't believe this. That's not what you told me. He goes, well, that's it. The deal's done. Now, I didn't know at the time it was a record fee Rangers got for me. So uh, that was it. It was 440000 they got. And obviously that was maybe they were going to use that money. Uh, Willie Wardle maybe said to John Gray, you can get money if you actually um, sell a player and bring in money. You can then use that money to buy the players, which he did. He bought some players with that money. But I couldn't believe it. But the, the interesting thing about it was when I went back to Alan Mulray, uh, I, I, I had to say, I can't believe this. I went back and said, look, uh, I've decided to sign for you. I said, I, I, I've agreed. And he went, that's great. Then he chatted and he said to me, he said, the first time I saw you playing, Gordon, he says, last year, a year ago, he said, you were playing against West Ham and then Kilmarnock in the, the Rangers tournament. It was always the, the, the tournament we had at Irox. And he said, you scored three goals, two against West Ham, against, one against Kilmarnock. He said, and uh, the, the player that made the three goals for you, David Cooper. I said, oh, that's right. I said, Cooper and I, we always played well together. He goes, I tried to sign you both. I went, what do you mean? He goes, I offered Rangers money for you both. I've been trying to sign you both. He says, but John Gregg said, I can only have one. And I said, well, actually, you get the wrong one. And he did laugh. And I said, I said, Cooper, he goes, no, I need a goal scorer for midfield. I need somebody that can play midfield. I said, so you wanted me and Cooper? And he went, yeah. So I, 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 that was amazing. To, I didn't tell Davy Cooper that until he'd left Rangers. I didn't want to tell him that while he was at Rangers. But see, after he was away and he went to Motherwell, I, I met him. I used to get, I was very friendly with Cooper. And I told him, I said, you know what? You could have been at Brighton with me. And then he was quite shocked when I told him that. And uh, you played an FA Cup final against Manchester United and you scored the opener. Uh, but sorry to bring this up, Gordon, but you missed that crucial chance. Um, <laughs> is that something that still crosses your mind to this day? It's my biggest regret in football. Um, I would say that without doubt it is. I, I made a decision when the ball came to me to hit it hard and low. I thought the goalkeeper was going to come towards me and it would hit it hard and low close to his feet. He would hit, find it hard to get down. But for some reason, and it turned out to be the right reason, Gary Bailey dived. But he dived the wrong way, and if I'd hit any ball with any height on it at all, it would have been in the net. And I usually did that, actually. that was I, I did something that I didn't normally do. Last minute of the game, chance to score, and the commentator said, on the radio it was actually, he said, and Smith must score. 
And that became the name of the fanzine. The fanzine was, uh, Brighton was called and Smith must score. And I used to contribute to it and all that. But it's my biggest regret. Uh, I've got three major regrets in my football career. And that was one. That's the biggest one. The next one was the losing to um, Cologne in the quarterfinal of the European Cup when I was at Rangers, when we'd already beaten uh, Juventus and PSV Eindhoven. We knocked out the best two teams in it and then lost to Cologne in the quarterfinal. That was a big regret because I still think to this day we could have won the European Cup. And the third one was losing to Celtic in um, the league champ, league decider at Celtic Park the night when Celtic beat us 4 2 with 10 men. Now, that was an incredibly bad performance from us, obviously, and result. Then we had the chance to win another treble because we ended up winning the two cups that year, Scott, and uh, we could have won another treble. So they're my three biggest regrets. But the biggest one is the Brighton one because I say, you know, to, to play in a cup final, having scored the first goal, it would be fantastic to have played in a winning cup final for a team like Brighton. We'd never been, they'd never been even as far as the quarter final at that time before uh, when we got to the final. And it was a great, a great cup run. We knocked out Liverpool, Man City, Newcastle, Norwich, and the only, funny enough, the only game we played against a lower division team in that cup run was in the semi-final against Sheffield Wednesday when we beat Sheffield Wednesday uh, at Highbury. That was the only game against a, a lower division team. All the other ones were against the top division teams. We were in the top division at the time, obviously. But as I say, I still regret it to this day. I, I would have been. I'd have loved to have scored that goal. Even scoring a goal at Wembley was great experience for me. But to get to get the winning goal in a cup final would have been would have been great. And overall, would you say that you enjoyed your time at Brighton? Very much so. I mean, I really did enjoy it. I mean, I was a, I didn't want to go there, but I, I mean, when I met John Gregg later on and 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 said to him, look, you know, I said I, what the way you treated me was very bad. I'm, I'm not happy with it, but I need to thank you for the fact you you let me go down to to Brighton. And I did it really right down there. I, was, I went down there. It was a great atmosphere. That What happened was they'd signed every player. Harley MD had ever come through the system there. So we, we'd all been bought from different clubs. So we all ended up living in Hove, which was where the, the football stadium was in Hove. But Hove's also the, the upmarket part of, of that area. And uh, I used to walk, see, on a Saturday, on a, on a match day, I used to walk to the, the ground, a five-minute walk from my house to the football stadium. Where else? Can anybody play that used to do that? I mean, they've, they've now moved Brighton, they're now in another stadium. You know, the stadium is outside the town now. But at that time, we actually could, we all could live there. And as I say, I, I laugh about it now. I took up three things down there I'd never done before. And that was uh, golf, gambling, and drinking. I'd never done any of the three. But once I get involved with the teammates, that was the, the whole spirit of the thing. They, they enjoyed a lot of socialising. And uh, they got me into drinking as well. I was 25 years old when I went down there and I was teetotal, but they soon got me out of that. Hey, after Brighton, you joined Manchester City and you were playing under Billy McNeil. What was that experience like? Yeah, that was good. It was, uh, he'd been very keen. I, I didn't know until um, we played against uh, Aberdeen in a, in a match at Ibrox when after one of my first games against Aberdeen. In fact, it was my first, I think. It was a League Cup game and we beat them 6-1 and I scored a hat-trick that night and I was leaving Ibrox and Billy McNeil shouted me and, and he said, Gordon, I was like, oh, hi. And he goes, just want to say, I thought you played outstanding tonight. And I went, thanks very much. Thank you. And he goes, what made you come here? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, eh, we were in for you as well. I, I went, Aberdeen? He goes, yeah, we were in for you when you when you came here. He said, so were Celtic. Do you not know that? I said, no. He said, we were both in for you. And he said, eh, I, w- I would love to have had you here at Aberdeen. So when I got a call, it was a strange one because what happened was, eh, I was playing 
I was out, I'd fallen out with the manager at Brighton, Chris Catlin, his name was. I'd fallen out with him and we had a game against Derby County. And what happened was I was I was just about to go and train with the reserve team. It was a Friday and he's and the, the assistant manager, Sammy Nelson, the Irish international, said, Oh Gordon, you're with us today. And I went, What the first team squad? And he went, Yeah. I went, Okay. So I trained and then after that they put up a list of who was all travelling to Derby County, Derby for the match. I was on the list, so I thought that's strange. So I had to go home and get my stuff and then come back. And we went to Derby. And the next day, uh, I was in the team and we won 4 1. And I scored a goal that day. And um, it was quite funny because on the way home, you know, the, the manager, Chris Catlin, said, well, well done, Gordon. That was good performance. I mean, thanks. I think it was really, I didn't want to say it was weird I was in the team, you know. So what happened was that night, in fact, the next day, sorry, the next day, Sunday, I got a phone call. It was Billy McNeil. And he said, uh, hi, Gordon. I'm like, oh, hi. And he goes, uh, I see you were playing yesterday against Derby and you scored. I went, yeah, that's right. He goes, uh, I'll tell you why. He says, I put a bid in for you on Friday. He says, that's why you were in the squad then. I went, oh, really? So next day, Chris Captain called me in and he said, um, there's, a, a, there's a bid come in for you from Man City. And I was like, oh, really? Didn't know that. And he says, yes. He says, uh, but I don't want you to go. He says, after Saturday, he says, you were outstanding and you're going to be in this team all the time now. And I went, no. I says, you only played me because Man City came in for me. I know that, so I'm leaving. I'm not I'm not staying here to play for you anymore. So I did, and I went to Man City. So I went to play, and uh, it was interesting because Bill, Bill McNeil, very much like John Gregg to a certain degree, a lot of confidence about his about what he'd done in his career, great career and all that sort of thing. So, but he was he was good, and I enjoyed playing for City. It was a great club to play for because they've got great atmosphere about the place because they are the Manchester club. United are the world club, you know. <laughs> Their support is everywhere. But Man City, basically, the, the support was in the, in the city of Manchester. At the highest level throughout your whole career, but you weren't able to get an appearance for Scotland. Why do you think that was the case? It's this, I think, it was just maybe, to say, people would just say, the answer is you weren't good enough, right? But, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure about that because there's two things. I think one of the big problems I had was I was getting capped at youth and then under-23 level when I was playing in the left wing for Kilmarnock. And then Jock Wallace brought me in and he put me in centre midfield. That's what I played for, um, for obviously for, for Rangers. Then same for Brighton. I was I was basically what they call now a number 10, which is the, a player who goes and supports the front from midfield. But see, at that level, in, in those days, Harley Emdy was playing that way. And Scotland certainly weren't. And that's why I think I never came into the category of getting a game for Scotland in that position. But I, I'll tell you an amazing story. When I was at Brighton, First year I was there, I was at a function and um, I'm walking past this table and then, oh, here's a, a shout, Gordon. And I turned around and it was the it was the England manager uh, at the time, Ron Greenwood, right? And he said, just want to say, I've seen you playing quite a few times, Gordon. I went, oh, right. And he goes, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. See if you were English. He, he says, you've been my squad. No, you would You've been my team. He says, I can't believe Scotland aren't playing you. If you were English, you'd be in my team. That's what he said. And I'm thinking, that, that actually took away the pressure from me a little bit, thinking, wait a minute, that's the England manager telling me that he would play me, and yet the Scotland managers don't play me. So I, I rather than being down about it, I realised it's about opinion, isn't it? That's that's 100% what it's about, and that's the England manager would, was telling me that. And, and if I'd had any English connection at that time, I would certainly have played for him. And uh, after your playing career, Gordon, you had a spell as an uh, assistant at St Mirren. But how come you never decided to pursue becoming a manager? I, I just I was I, I had the chance to go out and a couple of offers 
down south uh, from a friend of mine, John Gregory, who was a teammate of mine at Brighton, offered me the assistant manager's job at Portsmouth and then at Aston Villa as well. And um, I could, but what happened was at that time, I uh, I came out when I came out of football, I was I was in at St Mirren and I was working there for two and a half years. But the, but at that stage, what happened when St Mirren job when I left the job, I, I, I walked out in the job. I, I I couldn't go on great with Jimmy Bowen. He was a manager and we had a lot of differences and I didn't work well with him. So I left that job. But right away, the BBC come on to me to work for them on the radio and television and. Apart from the two jobs I got offered down south, for assistant manager's job, the only other job I got offered in Scotland was Albion Rovers manager. Albion Rovers came on to me as manager, but it was amazing to think, see the money that they offered me uh, for to, uh, a week. I was getting more each for each uh, time I was on radio or TV than they'd offer me as a week's wages. So I just said, uh, it was part-time obviously, but I just said, no, I'm just, I'll do what I'll do. So I just stuck to doing my media work then. And I was very comfortable. Well, I enjoyed doing the media work, working in radio, television, newspaper articles and all that thing and, and studying the game that way. Because I've always been right into looking at the game in general and just to try and see how teams play, how players play. When I'm, when I'm doing a, a, a commentary in a game, I can't, even as a, a, just a spectator now, I go and watch games and I've always have been like this. I'm looking all the time at how the team is set up, how they're playing, which players are, are more a key instrumental in terms of how that team plays. So I've always been very interested in the football side, but I enjoyed doing the media work and I did all that, the media work, and I became an agent as well at that time. That was, in, in, I think it was 1998, I became an agent. So I was working there and, as I say, I enjoyed my time doing uh, the media work and also being an agent at the same time. Hey, so what was that experience like, being a football agent? And what be what would be your advice to people that want to be a football agent? Well, it was quite interesting because I, I had, there was never any agents when I was playing. And so that was the, the thing about it. There was the first agent I'd ever come across was a chap in Switzerland who took me to Austria. So there was never any. And I think that uh, agents are a, a crucial part now because what happened when I was an agent, a lot of times the club would phone uh, me to actually ask if the, if the player would be interested in coming to them. So rather than go to the club and making everything in advance, the, the agent usually was the first person to be approached. And then you would put it to your player. Now, I was quite fortunate in respect, that, and it, it might have made a difference here, that I was, I, was, I was earning decent money from my media side of things I was doing. And the agency side, I wasn't looking to make as much money from that, but I was making money from it. But my, my decisions for the players, which I told the players as well, were always going to be football decisions rather than financial. Even at times when a player, a big club coming in from, I would always say to them, like, you know, I would like to know that you're going to be playing for this club. You're actually going to be involved because I don't want you to go just for the sake of the fact that they, they're going to pay you more money and they're buying you and then just have you there as a, a substitute and, and be part of the squad or, or even not even in that. Because a lot of the times nowadays, there's more and more players unbelievably uh, get bought by clubs like younger players and, and the big, basically the big clubs down south just put them out on loan. And, and what they're doing is it's a business really. They put them out on loan and if they're going to be if they do well, they'll bring them back to, to actually play for them. But in most cases, they then sell them on and they still make money on them. And that's a big factor. That's what a lot of the clubs are doing. Even a good example of that was Chelsea. Uh, last year, I was found out they had 45 boys out on loan at Chelsea. 45, right? Yeah, that's right. Now, that's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? And most of them have been bought at a lower price. 
out on loan. And as I say, if they're not going to make it at Chelsea, they're sold on, but they still make a profit on them. So these these players are just there. It's just a business. And uh, in 2007, Gordon, you were appointed as the chief executive of the SFA. How would you look back at your time in that role and what were some of the difficult challenges that you faced? Well, I, I, was, uh, I got approached by the SFA to, uh, to be the chief exec. Uh, when David Taylor had left for a job with UEFA, and I was I was not sure it was really heart or the head, but I was quite. One of the aspects of it was that I wanted to like learn a bit about the game at that level, and so I, I decided to do it. Uh, but the the thing that shocked me after I was in the job was the fact that I couldn't actually make any decisions. That was pretty annoying because I I wanted to make changes and do different things, but what I found out was after I took the job, I hadn't done my due diligence before in terms of finding out exactly what my role would be. I could make recommendations, but I couldn't make any decisions. And that was the tough part, because a lot of times I was recommending things and people weren't accepting it, and I was losing votes, because everything has to go through either the board or a committee or something like that. So I got some things through. I mean, it was there was a, I got through, um, one of the things I wanted to do was take out the, the runner-up in the Scottish Cup, I felt the runner-up in the Scottish Cup should no longer be allowed into Europe if the the, the if the winner of the Cup was already won the league, say Reigns or Celtic, which it normally was, were playing at somebody else in the Cup final. That that team in the Cup final, when they lose the Cup final, they're in, still in Europe in the Cup Winners' Cup, as it was at that time. I was totally against that because of the, the you know the, the fact was that the, the this team is, they could actually affect the whole running of the Scottish game if they go in that cup, because a lot of them get to the final having not played envy, you know, so that they, you know it's an easy, they get an easy route through, then they play the big team and they, they're out. So our coefficient is affected by that, the, the team, they then go into Europe and get beaten easily in the first round. So I tried to do that. Eventually that got accepted. I was involved in, in doing the, one of the biggest deal, television deal that the SFA had ever got, involved in that one as well, through my contacts. Um, and one of the ones that was quite interesting was I said to the, the board one day, I'm going to ask the players not to get paid anymore for playing for the country. And they went, what do you mean? I said, I'm going to ask them not to take a fee. They said, no chance. She have no chance. So I said, OK, I'm going to ask anyway. But they all said, the board, this was said that. So I then had a meeting with the players. They had a group of the experienced players, including David Weir and Barry Ferguson. And I had a meeting with them. And I told, I put my view to them and said, Look, if you actually, uh, the, the money that you, you, because you're playing for an international team, that actually gives you a degree of status that gives you more money at club level, puts your value up and, and you earn money from that. If you don't, why play, take money for playing for your country? Because see, this money is kept in the game. It'll go towards grassroots football, it'll be a big help for the game in total. And it was fantastic because the players came back to me and said, we've agreed not to take a fee anymore. And, and at that point, they didn't. But it was quite funny because when I went to the board, Next board meeting said, um, I've got the players agreed they're not taking a fee. It was like, oh, okay, not not a single person said, oh, well, yeah. Yeah, I said, uh, so I said well, that was one of the frustrating aspects of it. And that's why I decided after three years, I just decided, look, I'm, I'm going to move on. I've got good experience. One great aspect of it was I was on the, um, I was on the football committees of, the, of both FIFA and UEFA. And the first one was UEFA, I was on it. And I got to know Franz Beckenbauer on it because he, um, I speak German because I've been in Austria and Switzerland and I got friendly with Franz Beckenbauer and then he got me onto the FIFA one. Now, I couldn't believe it. I went along the first day. I was late getting there, Scott, and I, I 
got in it, and France, I was right in the front row. I, I just looked up. I apologised for being late. France Beckenbauer was top of the table. He went, oh, that's okay. And then what happened was, um, after an hour, there was a coffee break. So I went out for my coffee, got it. I was first out because it was a very front row. Got my coffee, sat down. And then who came and sat beside me? Franz Beckenbauer. Then who sat across from me? Ellie. Then next to Pele, Eusebio. Next to Eusebio, Bobby Charlton. Then the deal's off. Dragan Stojkovic. I thought, if there was a team getting picked here, I wouldn't get in it. Right? <laughs> one of the aspects of it was, we once had a meeting one day uh, regarding what what would be what, the decision, what should be a non-goal? What what would you suggest, you know? And we're all, we're, everybody was putting their ideas forward and this was going to be it. And I said, uh, I've got an idea. I said, I think that when a player who has the initial effort, if the initial effort is on target, but it deflects in, they still get the credit. But if their initial effort is not on target and goes in the net after hitting someone else, that's an own goal. And uh, I put my case forward, and who stood up and seconded it? Pelly. And that was it, and it got accepted. And that is still the rule to this day. See if you ever hear them talking on the on Sky, or whatever about the what an own goal is. My my suggestion was accepted by FIFA. And it might have been because Pele seconded it, I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, that's still the, the rule to this day. Oh, that's incredible, Gordon. You should be should be you should be very proud of that. <laughs> that's for sure. I am. I am. <laughs> and uh, and in 2011, Gordon, you were appointed as the director of football at Rangers. How challenging was that role, considering the fact that Rangers were obviously struggling financially? Uh what and it wasn't a very good time for the club. But how did you look back in that role? Yeah, I, I, I regret it to a certain degree taking it because what happened was at a meeting, I got introduced to to uh, Mr. White, Craig White, and I, I just he asked me about certain things, about the structure of a club. And I said to him at that meeting, just to, just to help him, I said, look, not many clubs have this. I said, but a, a director of football is an ideal role because what happens is the chief executive can work maybe on the business side, doesn't necessarily know the football side, but what you need is a football person in there who can actually determine and look at the strategy in each department of a football club, like youth development, scouting, you know, uh, buying players, wage structure, everything. And then that person can help the manager because the manager can't do all that on his own. And then Craig White came back to me and said, you'd like to meet me. And he said, I've listened to what you said about that. I think that's what we should, we need to do. Would you like the job? And I, was, I wasn't sure. I went, well... You sure you want me? And he goes, yeah. And so I, I decided to take the job at the time. Now, what I did was when I was in there, um, I did a lot of reports on all the different departments. Which was I did an analysis of, of them all, gave Craig White the reports and said, here's uh, what I feel about these departments. Here's, I think we can make some changes. We can improve certain things, different areas. But And then I would put it to him and he would say, we'll get around to it, we'll get around to it. That's what he kept saying. Now, and initially I was there, it was, I'd been there about six months. The first time I knew there was a problem with the with the club was we. The first trip I was ever on, we went to Germany, and the hotel we were staying in it was run by a, a a woman and her son ran the hotel. And because I speak German, I got on well with them. We we exchanged numbers like uh, emails and all that. And that was in July. And then in, in October, I got a, an email from the boy saying, uh, just to let you know. Uh, I don't know if you can help here, but we haven't been paid yet. And I was like, what? And it was like about 35,000 euros they were owed and hadn't been paid. So I went to the financial people at Rangers and I said, look, what's going on here? They said, oh, oh, Mr. White decides when 
who we pay, when we pay them and all that. I said, no, these people, this is a family business, a family hotel. I want these people paid and t- tell Craig White, because he, he wasn't always at the club, you know, he was hardly ever there. I said, tell Craig White, I, I'm telling you to pay these people. And about a week later, I got an email from the, the boy saying, uh, just to let you know, thank you very much for being paid. But I realised then there was problems financially. So on two occasions after that, I met Craig White and said to him, look, are we, are we in trouble? We get a, a, is there a possibility we could get into administration? He went, no, I don't think so. I think we'll be okay. I think we're going to get around it, all that. That's what he said. And then, sure enough, it was February uh, in 2012 when we got the notification. Now, the, the, the strange thing about it was we were actually going around the, the different people at Murray Park, as it was called then, and we were explaining to them First, we were all the youth people and everything like that, with the coaches and players. That and Craig White was with us, saying, and he made a, a speech saying, well, "Look, there's a lot of talk about the trouble we're in. We've got to deal with the finances, but we're not going to get into administration." Now, this is true. We're on our way to the second meeting, which was the first team people, scouts and coaches and players. When he got a phone call and he's away on his mobile phone, and we're waiting, and waiting, and eventually I said, you know, to to uh, somebody else who was there, I just said, "Look." Can you go and tell Craig White we need to have this meeting? So he went away and came back and he said, uh, Mr. White's just had the call we're in administration. That's what happened. That was between those two meetings. The club went into administration and that was it. So what happened was uh, I just went about, I think it was, that was the 14th, I think, on the Friday, that was a Tuesday or the Wednesday. On the Friday, I just went to the club people and just said, uh, I'm leaving. There's no point. See with the situation the club in now, there's no point in having a director of football here. It's a waste of time and, and the money that I was getting as wages could help towards paying other people to keep them in a job who were people who were more needy, needy than me looking for the money. So I just said, I'm, I'm leaving and I left the job. And uh, I felt sorry for Alan McCoy, Scott, because obviously that was his dream job, managing Rangers. And then he couldn't have asked for like, a worse season. The club going to administration, then getting demoted. It was And McCoy was the right man just at the wrong time, just with the mess that was going on. I felt so sorry for him. Yeah, it was, a, it was a terrible time, as I say. And, you know, still to this day, I'm still not happy with the fact the club got put down uh, to, the, to the lowest division because in terms of the what, what they said the debt was, in terms of the, the debt compa- compared to the, the overall turnover of the club, it wasn't as the same as some of the clubs had bigger debts with a lot less turnover and never get put down any divisions. So I think that there's... And never get put into receivership. And, and I felt... It was quite harsh what happened to Rangers, and I really do think that. And I think that could have been dealt with in a different manner. But having said that, I've got, I've got to say Rangers going down the divisions was unbelievable for the Scottish game because a lot of the Scottish clubs down in those low divisions made more money than they'd uh, made in, in previous years for years and years of football. And and, and also the, 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 a lot of the towns and all that where the Rangers fans were going to and buying their, their drinks and food and all that sort of thing. So the, 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 there was a lot of benefits came from it at the lower level but from Rangers point of view it was a bad time hey, Gordon you've had a fantastic a fantastic career could we ever see you back in the game at all? I don't really know it's, it just depends I, I would I would always be quite willing to look at something I mean there's been a lot of, there's been some talk about uh, some people have asked me about maybe director of football going back in at that level because I do feel that that uh, it's some it's a role where that I've got a lot of experience in the game in terms of you know from the, both the point of view of the financial side you know, player being an agent, having been an agent, having been a, an actual player, having been a coach, I think that I, I've got something to offer 
in the game, and I, I wouldn't mind going back in if, uh, if it was the right set of move for me, yeah. And then, Gordon, just to finish off with a, a few questions, um, who is the, the best player that you've played with throughout your career? I play with a lot of good ones, I think, but in terms of natural ability, I think David Cooper still is, to me, is still the best. You know, Coop was uh, so talented, he just was great skill, and you didn't have to even, uh, you didn't have to shout for the ball if you made a run, Coop. So, yeah, I, I learned that quite quickly. He liked to have his little touches, so I didn't run until Coop had his two or three little touches on the ball. Then I made my move, and you didn't even have to shout. As I say, Coop would see you and, and play you in. So, Davey was definitely the best player. Um, the best manager that you've worked under? Best, best. I, I like Alan Mothery a lot. Billy McNeil was pretty good, but uh, Jock Walsh, for me, is still the best. I think it's maybe because it was. it, it took me to somewhere. He realised my ambition by bringing me there, and you know, it was a great season and it was only one year under him and it was so sad that, that he left that at the end of that season. But Jock Walsh was probably, without doubt, the best. The best goal that you've scored? Um, funny enough, I, like, I, I liked my, my goal against Juventus was a great feeling when I got the winner against them in the European Cup because they were, um, you know, they were favourites to win it that year. Uh, but it's quite funny, my, my best ever goal the, the goal that I'll never forget was against Cowden Beath when I was playing for Comana. And I'll tell you what was funny about it. Uh, I, got, I got the ball in a halfway line and I was running with it. I was looking to pass it, but I couldn't see a pass and I kept having to beat players. And eventually I went through and I scored. Now, the, for the only time in my career, as I was running back to the halfway line for the, obviously the kickoff, the opposition players were clapping me. Now, that that's never happened. <laughs> never happened before or since. But well, I found that incredible that the, the Cowden Beef players were actually applauding me. So uh, that's the one I'll never forget. The best player you played against? Uh, I don't think there's any doubt. It was probably uh, Mario Kempis for Valencia when we played. The year after we played, uh, he'd won the World Cup for Argentina. And he, and we played them. We drew one each in, uh, in Spain. And then we could beat 3-1 at home. And he scored two goals. And one of the goals, I'll never forget it, the, John Gregg had said to players, make sure you get him onto his right foot because he's got a great left foot. And they were they were squeezed, pushing him across the park onto his right foot. He hit it with his right foot for about 25 yards into the top corner. <laughs> so that was like, hey, wait a minute, he's got another good foot too. <laughs> uh, do you think Rangers can win the, the, the SPFL this season? I think they can. It just depends how they do because there's, there's, uh, there's not much in it at all in terms of the, the two teams. Celtic were definitely the better team in the last match when they played against Rangers there. And it depends how the new signings are going to fit in. Uh, there's still a long way to go. As I say, Rangers have, have had a better run of late since since Clement came in. Uh, they've only lost that one game, but it was to Celtic. And these games are crucial because at the end of the day, uh, they're all six-pointers when you're playing against Celtic uh, for the championship. And Celtic will know that as well. So there's still a long way to go. And it's, it's certainly not over, that's for sure. And uh, Gordon, I asked everyone that comes on the podcast this question. It's a very... Uh, Debated topic within football, as you know. Um, who is better, Ronaldo or Messi? For me, Ronaldo has is, is, is worked hard to be what he is. And Messi is more naturally talented. Messi is definitely a better natural talent. But Ronaldo, I give him credit because I know for a fact he's such a hard-working player, great professional, and he's got to where he is because of that. Messi was going to get there anyway because of his natural ability. So that's how I would define the two of them. Gordon, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. 
Great, Scott. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you want to listen to more episodes of Scott Score, they are available on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Until next time, take care and we'll see you soon.